0: Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. just want to take a second. Everybody, just stay standing just for a second. Just lift your hands and just just thank him. You know, one thing we don't need to be is those nine lepers who walked away with a touch. We need to be the one that comes back and says, I appreciate you so much for paying attention to somebody like me. It's all glory and all praise goes to Him. He's the one who reached out to you. He's the one that chased you down. He's the one that pursued you when you weren't looking for Him. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that saw you on that cross. He's the one that stayed there because of His love for you. He's the one that has a plan for your life. He's the one that's never left you. He's the one that's never forsaken you. He's the one. He's the one. He's awesome. He's Jesus. He loves you. The King of glory loves you. He loves you the God of all creation has your attention. That's incredible to me. To stop and be able to say thank you and know that he hears. That you don't have to pray thinking that he's not listening. That you have the ear of a king and took the blood of a God to redeem you. So powerful. Such an awesome privilege to be born again. Such an awesome privilege to be born again. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And though we ask for more, we're thankful for what you've given. Help us to use what we have, not squander it. And it's for a purpose, and it's not just for us, but it's for our restoration is for a world who hasn't been restored. And I appreciate you giving us the ability to work with you. We, uh, we honor you, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name we ask this and pray. Be with us, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be back with you guys, my goodness. I know we were here last week, but 75% of you guys weren't because we were, uh, everybody was sick Eli, do you need something, buddy? Hey, we have a children's church. If you guys want to send your kids back, you can. If uh, if you want to keep them here, you can stay here. If you feel like a child, you can go back there. The preaching probably is better. So if you stay here, then you've been forewarned. Everybody good? All right. Okay, I, want, I have something on my heart. I... I know, as I even as I was preparing this message, I, I kind of felt like this is kind of weird. Um, it's not something you're gonna hear a lot of. In fact, on the text that I'm preaching on, I don't know if in my entire life I've ever heard anybody approach it from this angle contextually, yet it's there. Not that I've seen something that anybody else hasn't, it's just not preached on. And I think it needs to be because Jesus doesn't say anything just to fill a page on a book. He, the Bible says he said a lot of things and did a lot of things, so much so that if we were to write them all down, the world couldn't contain the books that could be written. So I think that what was written, we ought to pay attention to because it made the cut. There's nothing in that book, especially out of his mouth, that isn't relevant for your life. Amen? What if what he says goes against the culture in which you were raised? What if what he says goes against the religion in which you were raised? Are you sure? Because some people are really, really ready to let go of Jesus and hold on to their religion. Because I promise you I've been in church a long time. Maybe not some as long as y'all, but a long time. And I got taught a lot of things that were stupid. They hurt me. They gave me the wrong mentality. Wrong mentalities create wrong relationships. Right? Anybody that's got a bad marriage knows that's true. Right mentalities can create right relationships. See, it doesn't matter how bad you're being treated. It matters what you do with the treatment you've been given. You can beautify anything if you believe it. So the beauty of being a, 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 a son of God is that darkness no longer has the right to conform you. You have the right to conform it. However, many times we are conformed by it because we don't believe we have the power that Jesus tells us we have. So we subjugate our ourselves down to something lesser. While maintaining a form of religion thinking we're doing a good job, and God certainly isn't impressed. It says in my Bible it takes faith to please him. You know, every time I've ever had to have lived by faith, it sucked. It was not fun. I did not get what I wanted. I was miserable. I was afraid. I didn't know if it was all gonna work out. I didn't know God let it go right down to the moment where I didn't even know if he cared But he did. And he came through. But it was hard. You with me? Yes. Okay. My wife says y'all did so good in worship. There we go. And Abe liked it. All right, put your phones down. We understand that before the cross of Jesus Christ, we had no ability to relate to one another outside of death. The only relationship we could have with one another was ultimately selfish. That when sin entered the world, everything became about the individual, and the corporate responsibility was abandoned. Abandoned. Remember Cain and Abel? See, God, God desired a corporate reality, a, an expression of himself that would be manifested in like form through diverse individuals, all crescendoing to one expression that is the same, but yet different. It's the beauty of a family is that not everybody has the personality, that you have the, the jokes about the oldest child, middle child, youngest child, and they all hold true because they're all different, but they're the same, but they're different. But God likes it that way. He likes us being different, but what we did is we took our differences and we elevated them above the whole and we call that individual relationship with Jesus and we did more destruction than we did anything else. And that idea created all the denominations that we have today. I think God's gonna have a good time burning all our signs when we step across that line. Because you ain't taking your sign with you. You ain't gonna be a Baptist in heaven. You're not gonna be a Pentecostal in heaven. You're not gonna be a Catholic or Presbyterian or a Methodist in heaven. You're gonna be a son of God. Interestingly enough, you're going to be the same thing there that you are now, you just don't believe it. So therefore, he's going to have to burn your sign to convince you that it's true. So the miracle of Jesus' death wasn't so that the individual could have its little monopoly upon revelation and usurping its hermeneutical approach to Scripture upon everybody else. The miracle of Jesus was to bring the family back together. Not to create individual opinions that create division. Now, opinions are fine, as long as they don't create division. If your opinion creates division, your opinion's wrong, even if you think you're right. Period. I got a lot of people that I disagree with, but I will walk with them till the day I die. If they'll let me. Sometimes they don't. See, what does Jesus say? They're going to know that I'm God by the love that you have for one another. Not by the love you show the lost. Should we show the lost love? Absolutely. The reason the world's not convinced is because we don't love each other the way they want to be loved. When a pastor gets up to preach, he's on trial. I'm good with it. I've been in in this position a long time. I've been preaching for 25 years. I, I can take another trial. And you know the people in there that are looking at you sideways, wondering how about your theology and your doctrine. It's funny to me, though. The people that wonder about my theology and the doctrine the most are doing the least in the world. It always works out to be that way. The most critical are the most unmoved. And I don't hate them for it. I just wish they'd come help Makes sense? So, that, so nobody cares what you believe. They care who you are. And there's no greater expression of who you are than when you're around a bunch of people who know you as you are. That's why community's scary for people. Most of the churches deemed it as a cult word because in community, you actually get exposed and you can't hide like you can in normal church. Because if you get around somebody long enough and you walk with them for a year or two, they look at you and go, you haven't grown much in the last couple of years. What's going on? It's easier to sneak in the back, sit on the back row and, hey, brother, how's it going? Everything's good. It's all good. Everything's fine. (laughs) But when you stay, you can't lie very well. The Holy Spirit starts poking on you. And he does that through people who care. That's why people don't like to stay consistent. They like to church hop. I got in trouble We're talking about stuff like that because there's these super spiritual people out there who believe that they don't have to submit to a body. They believe they can go to wherever church they want to go to on a Sunday led by the Spirit of God. I don't see that as biblical. If you can show me where that's in the Bible, I'll agree with you. The only people I ever saw do that was the apostles, people who traveled. And you know what they did? They left stable churches behind them with stable members and stable people. And the only reason they left was to create another stable body. So, the miracle of Jesus Christ is the unity of the church. It's a miracle we don't see much today. How many of you guys know that as soon as the devil starts hammering you, the first thing that usually happens is you don't want to go to church anymore? How many of you guys know that the longer you stay away, the easier it is to stay away? Why do you think that is? Because you're weak when you're alone. And the only opinion you have to submit to is yourself, which means you are your own ceiling and you'll never go any higher than that. Your opinion ends up sucking the life out of you that you think you have. because you'll never submit to anything but what you believe. Well, the problem is, is that if you're not growing at a rapid rate beyond anything that anybody can see, you're never going to be able to grow. And at some point, God's going to keep your growth stunted simply because you're not around his people. Say, I want all of Jesus. To have all of Jesus, you need all of the church, because Jesus is in his people. There's a part of you that if I don't get to know, there's a part of God I'll never know. That's why we have home group. Because we love each other and we want to know each other and we want to spend time with each other. I don't want to create a church where people come in once a week and don't know who they are. And I've been to a bunch of those. Growing up, don't even know the guy sitting next to you. You know, you know his name, but you don't know anything about him. It's dangerous, right? So unity is a criteria of a move of heaven. Disunity disembowels the church. Cain and Abel, family, sin comes in, division in a home. Let me tell you something. Your sin never affects just you. I don't care whether you believe it or not. I don't care whether you agree with me or not? Any sin committed in your life will affect everybody around you. You may never see the results. You may never believe that they're there. But even if it's just that the fact that you've stopped moving on with God is enough to affect everybody around you from not moving on with God as well. If you don't believe that your personal sin doesn't affect other people, come home in a bad mood and see what happens. Adam never thought that what he was doing in that garden was gonna cause the death of one of his children. See, when you're in the middle of your temptation, you think it's just about you. You think it's just about what you're going through and that it's not that big of a deal. But the moment you touch something that's forbidden, then the people you care about are no longer forbidden to be touched by the enemy. You bear a personal responsibility to be your brother's keeper. You can't do that if you never have brothers. If you don't like this church, it's fine with me. Find one you do like. Plug in. Don't quit. And stay. You with me? Okay. And now we can get to some scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. So I want to let you know that a broken individual will eventually break a community. A broken father will eventually break his family. A broken mother will eventually break her husband and her children. Broken children will eventually break their mothers and fathers. And even though their mothers and fathers may retain their personal relationship with Jesus, the fact that the children are acting the way they're acting causes the entire relationship with Jesus that the mothers and do- uh, mothers and fathers have to be completely revolving around their children. It's where their prayer life goes, it's where their concerns go, it's where their worries go, and then pretty soon their entire relationship with Jesus is sucked up by somebody else's sin. And just because the parents aren't thinking that they're not involved in that sin, that they think they're okay, yet they're still involved with it because they're more concerned about the sin of their children than they are about the Savior they they love. Sin ruins everything. So the degree of the power of the healing of the church depends upon whether the people in the church are healed. If you have 99 people in a church and 98 of them are broken, it's impossible for that one person to heal the 98. You guys understand what happens when you put one bad piece of fruit in with a bunch of good ones? Right? Your focus isn't on the good ones that are in there, it's on the bad one that is. All the focus goes to the weak spot, right? Somebody gets diagnosed with cancer. What happens? All the focus goes where? Not to the liver that's untouched and it's working properly. That doesn't get the attention, does it? What gets the attention? The part that's sick. Jesus never intended this church or any church to operate on the basis of what was sick. He intends the church of Jesus Christ to operate by the healing they possess and the authority they have to be able to touch the thing that's broken and make it healed. So how I live can actually bring people to a place where they're hungry for something they were never hungry for. Instead of how they live, causing me to be depressed in my relationship with Jesus, pursuing God for them instead of pursuing God for him. Yes. Don't get me wrong, you, I get it. When you see your children in sin, it's, it's terrible. But it should never take your focus off of the king. And you should not define your relationship with Jesus by what's wrong in your life. Because the point isn't you and how you're feeling and what you want. The point is God's ultimate restoration for the whole. The problem we have is we think we're the one that's supposed to make it happen. And in a way we are, but in a way we aren't. We are in the sense that we are supposed to heal those things, but you heal those things by not focusing on those things. See, I have the ability to heal, not just physically, but also spiritually and mentally. You know how many people have sat with me in my office, and after a few sessions and meetings, they begin to think differently, and all of a sudden, stuff starts to fall off of them. And after just a minute of getting them to think differently, all of a sudden, their emotions start being healed, their mindset starts being healed, their approach to life starts being healed. They start realizing, I've been going about this entirely wrong. Why? Because I have the power by Jesus to heal. See, the church is supposed to be full of the white blood cells of God. Clean, pure, and white. Anything that comes in, we attack it. And we kill it. Why? because we're mean and we're vindictive and judgmental and critical. No, because it affects the entire body. So if you walk in to this building and you come in with a spirit of depression and suicide and anger and all this other stuff on you, you have the ability to completely ruin your little aura of space around you by bleeding off things that cause the Holy Spirit to to be offended. But it's my job to overpower that aura. It's your job too. What if we all came in here without any of that junk? Maybe we'd see some things that we're complaining about not seeing in church. You make it to Matthew 18? See, I want to I I show you something. How many of you guys have ever done something wrong to somebody and they didn't forgive you right away? How good did that feel? It's terrible. And you know what? How many of you got forgiven by God, but the person still wouldn't forgive you? How'd that feel? A little better, but still pretty bad. But then all of a sudden, that person wakes up one day and walks up to you and says, I'm sorry. I should have forgiven you. And God's changed my heart. And I forgive you and I release you from your sin against me. How's that feel? Awesome. Do you realize that most people stay in sin because most people don't forgive them of their sin? You know, when you get forgiven for a crime and you're totally released, the chances are good that you're never gonna wanna go back and do that ever again. Why? Because there's power in the body to forgive. Yeah, we need the forgiveness of Jesus, but that comes almost instantly as soon as we ask for it. But the forgiveness of the body, sometimes it takes time. It should be instant, but it's not. So whenever you and I are holding unforgiveness, either toward ourselves or toward somebody else, what we're doing is we're actually crippling the ability to be healed in our own life, and somebody else's, and we're keeping them in the sin that we won't forgive them for. Yeah. Yet we're complaining about the sin that they're in. Yet we're keeping them there because we won't forgive them. Mm-hmm. That's why God says, "I won't forgive you if you don't forgive others." Right. Have you been hurt? Just a few of you? I mean y'all are doing awesome. <laughs> Maybe y'all need to come preach this. I'll give you my notes. Anybody? How many of you ever allowed your hurt to completely dominate your mind and your life? Because you wouldn't forgive. Two people get set free when someone forgives. Why? because sin never affects just one person. When you start to love the people that are around you, your entire focus is to live a life that's holy, not just for God, but for them. Because if you realize, if I do this, my brothers and my sisters are gonna reap the consequences. Because you know that sin only needs one wound to enter the body. And infect the whole, right? It's true in the natural, right? right. Crazy story. Maybe I, I don't even know should I? I'll tell it anyway. There it was a guy a long time ago, back when things were real primal. I don't remember the year. True story. went to war with this other guy, and he they were arch enemies and they person A beat person B killed him cut his head off and as a token he strapped the head to his horse and was riding in back into town and as he was riding his horse stumbled a little bit and the head flew up off the rope and landed on this guy's leg and the teeth went into the man's thigh and caused the wound He died from that man's bite after he was dead. Who won? One wound infects the entire body. One wound. Kids don't live in the way they should. They wound their parents. Parents don't live the way they should. They wound their children. Husbands don't live the way they should, they wound their wives. Wives don't live the way they should, they wound their husbands. And then everybody wants the other person to repent. Everybody wants the other person to forgive. Everybody wants the other person to change. And we don't hold ourselves guilty. Let me tell you something. If you have a problem with somebody, you're guilty. The Bible says if your brother has ought against you, go to them and ask for forgiveness not if you have an ought against them. For years, people taught it was the other way around. I don't know, they didn't read their Bible. That's, that, that proves my point. If there's a problem in a relationship in your life, you are the problem. Because the Bible says, because you don't have a problem with them, you have the authority to go to them and make it right. The clean affects the unclean. And making it right doesn't come up to them and go like, "I told you you were wrong, and you did all this stuff." Listen, husbands, wives, let me let me just clue you in on something: telling your spouse what they're doing wrong never works. The devil is doing that to them all the time, anyway. It's not a revelation. Like all of a sudden, you're going to come up and say, "You're always doing this." Oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> Now, you know exactly what you're doing. And you know exactly what you're not doing. How about empowering one another to be what we know we should be instead of telling each other what we're not? Because if we give the sickness the attention, it only propagates. You with me? You guys want to make it 18, Matthew 18? I gotta tell you the verse. See, y'all are supposed to be prophets. I gave you the chapter, the verse 15. S- somebody, somebody was listening, or somebody's prophetic. All right, verse 15. Before I read this, I wanna, I wanna tell you the context of this entire chapter. I want you, if you have time, if you remember, to go home and read this entire chapter. The context of this entire chapter is about Jesus restoring the one to the whole. This whole chapter is about unity. All the parables taught, everything that's going on inside this is about Jesus bringing back the central focus of why he's teaching what he's teaching and what, he, and what he's doing. That's it. So everything in this chapter can, can be contextualized under the, the uh, authority of unity, and there's, there's a verse here we're gonna read here in a minute that we take outside of the context. It still applies outside the context. However, there's a reason why it was spoken within the context, okay? All right. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It doesn't say on Facebook, Nobody cares about your rants on Facebook. If you think they do, they just, out of pity, tapped the light button rapidly as they were scrolling by. It did not move them. It did not affect them. They did not stop and bawl and weep for you. They don't care. And you know that's true. Go to him and tell him. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. What's the point? To prove that you were right or to gain your brother? Why would Jesus be concerned about you gaining your brother? Because he wants a complete whole family. And as long as one part of the family is not unified, there is still work to do. So it's your response, God believes it's your responsibility, my responsibility to bring forth unity in a body. Not by proving where we're right, but by having a heart of restoration. If I don't have a heart of restoration for you and want you to be restored, I don't love you. I may say I do, but if I don't actively pursue you and put myself into your life to a point where I care about you being restored and healed, I can say I love you, but I don't. And that's what we've done with modern day Christianity we've chopped it all up into a bunch of verbiage and as long as we put it in where the blanks are supposed to be filled, we're a Christian, bless the Lord. The context here. Is you've been wronged. Jesus thinks that because you've been wronged, you have the right to go restore your brother. Now, if they won't let you, next verse. What's it say? But if he won't hear you, take one or two more by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word has to be established. Here's where it gets interesting. If you can't find three people, not that agree with you because you convinced them, but because you are so one with the body around you, everybody who knows that person says, Yeah, yeah, they're like that. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah, they, they are wrong. How do you do that? You gain a little crowd and tell them everything that's wrong and you try to get people on your side? And that's what we do. How's it supposed to be done? We go to people we care for and love and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's been doing this to me and I want his restoration. Am I wrong? Is this really being seen? Do you see this in his life as well? Yes. Okay. Go find somebody else and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. Are we wrong? No, you're not. Okay, would you go with us? Yes, I'll go with you. Why? To gang up on him? To restore your brother. See, I'm laying a foundation here. Hopefully, that I will be able to teach you something here in a minute. The power of unity is unstoppable. That is why the devil doesn't want it. That's why he creates these micro fissures of of religion and disagreement, opinion. Even God, before the cross in the Old Testament, Saw the tower of Babel, and he said, "Because they're unified and they have put, they have one mind and one heart, nothing is impossible for them." God said that. Why is so much impossible for the church? People say, "Oh, it's because you don't have the power of God." Maybe, but we don't have the power of God because we don't have unity. Unity brings the power of God. Go read Acts chapter two. They were all in one accord. What happened? The Holy Spirit came. Oh, we want you more. You you want God more? Want people more. You want to love Jesus with all your heart? Love people with all your heart. But they'll hurt me. That's the point. God gave you a brand new being that is custom able to suffer, it's just you have the old mind. It tells you you can't. Did, did, did that ring any bells? Your new man has the ability to be just like Jesus. It's your old brain that you brought into the new man that's your problem. The brain doesn't get saved. It has to be reprogrammed, and that takes time, especially if you're stubborn. I know it's not you guys, but it took me a while. I'm serious. I fell away from Jesus for two years of my life. And in those two years, I did more damage than most people do in 20. Because I'm all for nothing, all or nothing, all or nothing type of guy. And I thought, I'm done. I already screwed up. I messed up big time. I'm going to hell. I might as well ride this thing out. And I got into it, man. Very short period of time. In those two years, just two years, I got saved when I was eight by divine counter, not by a person. The Holy Spirit came and bombed me out of the middle of nowhere. I didn't even know who Jesus was. Followed God, started preaching hard and heavy when I was fifteen, fasting, praying, seeking God, leading youth groups. And in those, just those two years, it took five to get this thing back into line. The enemy did such carnage and damage and devastation to my mind that even when God redeemed my heart and I knew he forgave me and I knew he got back with me and I knew he restored me, it took five years to get this straight again. Guys, I'm telling you, when I, there would be times when I, right after God redeemed my heart, I, I locked away, I, I quit my job, I sold everything, I, I, I went to just be back with Jesus, and I didn't care if I had anything or not, I was so desperate to not, to not screw up again that, that I would have these urges and impulses that I had trained my body in for two years, and, 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 and I would run to my prayer closet because I was afraid I'd, I'd take off again. And I'd spend hours in there on my face, begging God, worshiping God, until finally those things, those impulses would leave me. I'd walk out of my room. In 15 minutes, those things came right back. And I'd go back into my room, hours praying it off of me, hours praying it off of me. Walk back out, get 10 minutes of of ease and relief, and the thing would come back on me. And I'd go back in my room. I spent the majority of the first six months on my face fighting things that I put inside myself. It was six months before I could even make it through a day without having to fight something. So don't tell me I can't tell you to renew your mind. I know what it takes. I know it's hard. But what is it? What isn't hard? You with me? Yes. My sin destroyed me and my family and everything around me. He says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything be established. This also goes for authority. You better not ever blame an authority, especially verbally, if you don't got a lot of people to back it up. And I'm not talking about people who are broken and wounded and offended just like you. If you can find three people who aren't offended, that agree with you in the authority and how it's wrong, then you can take your your problem to them. Why? Because when you break an authority, everything underneath it starts to break. You with me? What's important? It's the unity. Next verse. But if he refuses to hear, tell it to the church. Why? Because that person's valuable. The body needs to move around this person and heal them. Are you with me? How dangerous is it to miss church? See, in this culture, we have the online thing, which I get if you're sick or something like that, but we feel like, oh, I'm just gonna watch it on the internet. Doesn't happen. How many of you got touched this morning at the altar? Could you have gotten that on the internet? Probably not. Why? Because someone laid hands on you. You get that online? Am I against it? A little. But if he refuses to hear even the church, watch this. This is Jesus' words. This is supposedly a Christian believer. This is supposedly a disciple. This is supposedly someone who follows God. If he will not hear the body, then let him be like to you a heathen and a tax collector. Do you realize how big of a statement that actually is? Jesus says, let him be to you as somebody who is no longer saved. Someone who's not born again. You kick him out, you get him out of the body, and you make him leave. Because he will infect the rest of the body. You know what pastors do nowadays? They want everybody in because the more seats that are filled, the better their persona looks and the bigger the tithe is. That's not me. I don't know how this church has survived on what little it gets, but it has because God's faithful. Let him be to you a heathen and tax collector. Do you realize the judgment of God against this person was to be disconnected from the body? And yet many of us are disconnecting from the body, thereby having the judgment of God placed upon us voluntarily. I can't tell you what to do. I know what I want to do. I believe God's faithful to His word. I have people tell me, "Well, I work on Sundays. I'd get another job." That's me. Well, I get a pay cut. Does money matter in heaven? Is God faithful? I'm not saying you should quit your job. I'm not saying you should quit your job. See, I said it twice. You heard me. I'm saying you get to decide what's important to you and it will affect the body. The only time I don't show up is if I'm dog sick or gone preaching the gospel. I think last year I only missed two services because I was gone. One sick. One sick. See, it's, you think it's my job to show up here every week? Why? Because I get paid to do that? I don't get paid. I actually said that one time, and a guy actually said, you know, he, he rebuked me for saying that. He was like, Man, go get a, take a salary from the church. Seems easy, right?" There's no money to take. Everybody's got the answers to your problems, but when they don't walk with you, they don't know what's going on, do they? But when they walk with you, this guy would have walked with me with me for a while. He would understand. Hey, there's no money for a salary, so don't be stupid and say something like that. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Okay. Uh, next verse is it or, verse 17. Yes, this, this is so cool because this is what we use. This is the part of the chapter we love right here, right? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Oh, man, we take that into so many different contexts, certain things that are going on in our life. i are like, oh, man, I'm binding in the heavenlies and blah, blah. You know what the context of this is? Jesus is saying if you bind a brother, he's bound And if you loose a brother, he's loosed. How many people are walking around bound in the church because someone won't release them? How many people are walking around bound in a marriage because someone won't release them? See, God believes you have authority and power. Problem is, you haven't got there yet. You think you have, but when you hold someone in unforgiveness, when you hold someone in a a place where they shouldn't be held, your God is holding them there too. Well, my parents, you just don't understand. I don't need to understand. Jesus does, and He's not going to come down here and change the Word of God for your situation. It's not going to happen. Better people have tried. So Jesus' teaching here was gaining the one so that, so that the rest of the whole could be established. You with me? All right, so being removed from a body is the judgment for sin that separates you from the body. This is how powerful the body is, that Jesus says that if this person won't listen to you and they won't listen to the witnesses and they won't listen to the church, if you bind them, I will bind them. And if you loose them, they will be loosed. crazy. In other words, what he's saying is, is if we don't take ownership of our sin and repent, it could cause us to be excommunicated from the church. And back then, that was the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Today, I'll just go down to XYZ Church down the road because we got a bunch of them. And they'll take me and my opinion as long as I put that money in the box. Y'all know it's true. I'm not after big crowds. I'm after big hearts. People who want to stay because they love. Because it doesn't matter if I save the whole world and none of them get discipled and they all go to hell. What matters is I was faithful with the ones God gave me. Some people see this as a small church. I've been in churches a long time. I can't speak for all of you because some of you I don't know, but the ones I do know, I have never seen a group of people like this in my entire life, ever. I've been in a lot of churches. To have this many loyal people in this, like we're up in the 80% range, guys. <laughs> Most of the churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. This one's the exact opposite. Why? Because they love one another. It's amazing. Being excommunicated back then was absolutely the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Why? Because when you're cut off from the body, you're cut off from the power of healing, the power of encouragement, and the power of Christ moving through somebody in your life. Have you ever received a prophetic word that altered your destiny? It came through someone. And if you weren't around that person, no prophetic word. I've literally watched people miss church before and everything that they were asking me about and talking to me about and struggling with, God did on that Sunday morning that they decided to stay home. And they come, home, they come back the next week wondering why things haven't changed, blaming God that he's not moving in their life. And I'm like, man, you should have been here last week. Well, I was tired. Oh, so was I. I was up here at five in the morning. See, within the body, healing is needed and the body heals itself. See, we take this verse and apply it to everything else other than the restoration of the church of Jesus when that's the context. Within this chapter is also the story of, the one, of Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one. Why, because the one's more important? No, because the, the 99 aren't whole until the one returns. That's how valuable one person is, is that the whole is not formed in the image of Jesus with that one missing. Do you realize how powerful that is? I notice when people are in church, I mean, some of y'all know, oh, I miss church, they're gonna be texting me. Some of y'all are giggling. Because, yeah, we care about you. See, when somebody leaves the body willingly, they're submitting to the judgment of hell to divide. Because that's what hell does, Divide. That's what it does. Most of the time, hell divides through your being right. Well, guess what? Jesus is right. Jesus was right. And he never allowed his being right to divide us from him. He allowed his being right to pursue us, to regain us, not to prove to us Why we were wrong. Sin is enough to prove to you that you're wrong. That's its job. You with me? Our job is to forgive, their job is to repent. Simple. Why? To keep the bond of peace. Some of y'all don't even know the beauty of community because you've chosen a lifestyle that gives you everything that you want when you want it. Community is not popular. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy when you got your plans and somebody calls you and says, I need you to be here for me. Well, there goes, them. There goes my night. Or thank you, God, for giving me the ability to love people that you've put in my life. All right, let's see, where we at, what verse? Wh- uh, is there another one? Yep. And I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We talk about this where two people get together and pray for the governments, so it's gonna be done, Maybe. How many times does it not happen? I'm not saying that that doesn't apply or couldn't apply. I'm just saying that's not the context. If you go to seminary, they will teach you context is king. The context in which something's said and written, especially in one continual phrase, as Jesus begins to teach, he builds upon one or the other. He's not speaking idly. He says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus says, When there's unity, I'm there. I'm there for what? To restore the part that isn't. When you get a church so operating under the power of God and in their individual gifts, nobody's safe. Sinners walk through that door. It's like, uh uh-oh, you're in trouble. Because somebody's gonna get you. So cool up here this morning. I'm over here watching, and I see this person. I'm not going to name names or picture. I see this person. I'm like, man, I, I, someone. I, I'm about to go get him. God's got something. I'm going to go get him. And I'm like, well, I'm going to wait and see if anybody else sees what I see. Sure enough, two ladies come on, brrr, boom, boom. Start why? Because the body's operating in power. People are seeing the need for restoration, and God's moving in people. When that begins to happen, healing begins to flow. People know you, trust you. The person praying next to you knows that we both got them. You ain't got a chance. Depression, you're going to leave. It makes me happy to see you go back to your seat with a smile on your face instead of your shoulders drooping your chin to your chest like you walked in the door. See John 17, Jesus prayed His guts out for us to be one." The whole chapter is about that. Longest prayer recorded of Jesus, and it's not about anything other than having his family together. But see, family's tough, isn't it? How many of you guys have blood family? That's rough? But you're not willing to put up with church family that's rough. You're like, oh, and people did that wrong to me. I'm going down to the next church. But your family craps on you for 35 years and you still go to the Christmas dinner. <laughs> Serious. One little offense and you're looking for another pastor to pat you on the back and tell you you're going to be okay. How about staying where God placed you and working through the fact that you're offended is because you're wrong. If you were as half as spiritual as you thought you were, then this thing wouldn't have bothered you because Jesus, we hurt him pretty bad and I'm pretty sure he wasn't upset about it. I mean, he prays for the guy that's about to betray him, that his faith wouldn't fail. He says, when you're converted, I'm speaking prophetic word over you, Peter, you're gonna be converted. I'm not looking at the fact that you're betraying me. I already see your restoration." Why can't when someone hurts you be like, hey, it don't matter what you've done to me. I've already prayed for your return. They're gonna look at you funny. This time you get in a fight with your spouse, just step back and go, doesn't matter what you just said. I've already prayed for your return. It's gonna be okay. Turn and walk (laughs) off. What do you do with that? You ain't got nothing to say. Whoop, speechless. With me, I want to go through some verses here. One more verse, or no? Let me see where we're at. Yeah, all right, 490 times a day that's a lot. Okay, first Timothy chapter 1. I'm gonna you can turn there, or you can just listen if these guys can find it and throw it up there. We're gonna start in verse 18. It says, this charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before about you in order that you might war a good warfare by them. Such an amazing verse, don't have time to really touch on it, but I wanted to throw it in there. Holding faith in a good conscience by which some have put away and made shipwrecked uh, according to their faith. Among these were Hymenaeus and Alexander who have, de- who have delivered to Satan so that they might not, learn to, they might, uh, might not blaspheme. I think it was down to verse 20, I think. Here's, here's, here's what he's saying. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says this. He says, <clears throat> some people amongst you have developed an evil conscience within, within them. And that conscience has gotten so bad that I actually had to turn them over to Satan so that they would learn not to blaspheme the body of Christ. Whew. Anybody want that anointing? The Hymenaeus and Alexander anointing? I was going to say something, but I, I'm, some of them people out there have it. See, what happens is they, they have such an evil conscience, which is, which is they're not convicted by their sin anymore. And they blame other people for what they do wrong. We call it narcissism today. But Jesus loves narcissists. I know you don't, but we're going to get there. So, what Paul's telling Timothy is, is that the ultimate judgment for this person was to be excommunicated, to be turned over to the devil. Why? Because when you separate them from the body, they have no ability to have life. And the death that is going to work in them might bring them back around. You know how many people that you're trying to save that you just need to let go? you've tried and you've tried for years and years and years and years and years and years. The Bible's telling you, like, it's scripture. leave them alone. Let them eat with pigs. Leave them alone. I'm thankful for addiction-based ministries, but they got a lot of stuff wrong. And they're trying to chase down people who love the demon. Let them love the demon. The demon will convince them someday not to love them anymore. Sin will have its work. Your job's to restore. If they don't let it happen, what do you do? It's the most dangerous thing that could happen to that person is that a saved, believing individual says, go, have your way. You will return. And you'll return broken. Now I know that goes against a lot of things of what people say. We try to hang to hang on to people and 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 all we're doing Is continually trying to put life into something that needs to die. When it dies, restore them. Simple. But so much of what we call ministry is chasing people down who don't want to change. Jesus didn't do that, He went and found the one who knew He was lost not the ones who didn't. You with me? Does that mean you don't? No, it means you go out and try to to reach everybody, but as soon as they've convinced you that they're not having it, you let them go. You let them go. And that's the most dangerous thing that could happen to them. They don't even understand that the fact that you're no longer connecting with them anymore is the judgment of God. Because life can only flow through us. And when we shut that off, It brings them to a place where they can only receive death which expedites their cross process. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3. For as being absent in the body but present in spirit, Paul's talking about sexual immorality that's in the church of Corinth. I indeed have already judged you already as though I were there and present concerning this one who works out this sexual deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together with my spirit also in the power of the spirit of Christ, deliver such a person to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of judgment. I mean, the church today tolerates fornication. And Paul said, you should take these people, remove them from your body, and get them out so that they don't infect the whole, and so that this sin that they're involved in might bring forth, hopefully, a salvation of their spirit in the end. I mean, this guy was sleeping with his stepmom. Sin. And I'm not dogging churches, but this isn't the one to come to if you plan on living in fornication. How many churches, I know so many in this town that their their, their pews are full of people who are fornicating. Okay, I'm going to try to help you. But if you don't listen, I can't help you. And you have to go. Not because I, don't, I want you to go. I don't want you to go. I want you to change. I want you to repent. I want you to know Jesus. but I can't help you if you don't want to be helped. This is what Paul says to deal with this. This, When's the last time you've been in church They kick somebody out because of these things? You're in sin. And it affects not just you, it affects everybody else around you. See, people, young people who are fornicating, they don't understand that they're actually sowing seeds of discord, rebellion, and all kinds of stuff in their future children. They don't know it. They don't know that what they're doing right now is going to affect their kids. They just know what they want. But they're sowing things into their body because the body is the habitation of the spirit, and if it's the habitation of the spirit, the devil wants it. And the only way you can get access to it is through rebellion, And when rebellion happens, he comes into that body and begins to sow certain seeds and fruit that will carry on into your children. And then you wonder when your kids turn 16 why why they're problems. Because you sowed a lot of seed. I'm against religion, but I also know there's certain religious people who have such a, a wrong but grip hold on their kids that's unhealthy, but yet it it because they did things legally right. There are certain things their kids don't deal with. There's a lot of I'm not going to name the names of, of certain organizations that are out there. They're wrong in a lot of things, but they they don't fornicate. They stay faithful. They do certain things that are right, and their children they may have issues, but they don't grow up drug addicts nine times out of ten. You with me? Because sin never affects just you. It affects the body. It'll affect your children. Oh, no, brother, it's not. You just wait and see. I've been around long enough to see it happen. The only thing that breaks the power of that cycle is the blood of Jesus. And you submitting to that and beginning to have something else flow through your life other than just rebellion. You with me? All right. Hebrews 12, 11, it says, now the chastening of the Lord doesn't seem present at the time. It doesn't seem joyful, but it seems grievous. Nonetheless, afterward, this chastening yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised by it. We're in Roman, or Hebrews 12, 11, verse Verse 12, Because of this, straighten up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight the paths for your feet, lest those things that are lame be turned out of the way, but let them be healed. Follow peace with all people and holiness, for without which no one will see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any fail the grace of God, or lest any root of bitterness spring up disturb you, and many be defiled thereby. What he's saying, the author of Hebrews is saying here is is that... um, We need to understand, first of all, that following peace, verse 14, and holiness with all people is for the benefit of the body, but when we get down to verse 15, he says, you be diligent to not fail the grace of God in your life. In other words, what he's saying is when God comes to redeem you, to touch you, to restore you, to give you something, to give you an exit out of your situation, do not frustrate that grace. Submit to it, because if you frustrate that grace and don't submit to it, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have a heart of bitterness. You're gonna get bitter against God. You're gonna get bitter against people. I've watched people get so calloused and hardened to the anointing. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've seen God's presence so strong before, where people are just melting under the power of God, and someone in the back row is just sitting there, like, "Like, what is wrong with you? You got, a, you got issues." The fact that none of this moves you scares me. And he says, if you get this root of bitterness, it will disturb you and it will defile many. Why? Because our sin, our rejection of grace affects everybody around us. It says many will be defiled. One person in a body who gets bitterness in their life will eventually begin to defile the entire body. I've had my church split three times, all of them, all of them, from, th- from three individual separate bitter women. I'm not, I'm not saying these men and women, I'm just saying that's just what happened to me. Split the entire church, three times. One offended bitter woman going around everybody, well, I just don't know if I agree with that. Well, did you hear what he said? I mean, that's just not even scriptural. And then they should be in so discord and the bitterness that's in their life and all of a sudden people are like, well, I don't know. Especially new believers are like, well, I don't know if it's scriptural or not. I don't know the Bible. Maybe she's right. Maybe this guy's got problems. After all, he is pretty aggressive. That's not the love of Jesus, right? But he's gonna use that verse about Jesus making a whip so out of context verse 16 he says unless there be unless there get this bitterness get it out unless there be any fornicator or profane person in, in your in your midst who for one morsel of food sold his birthright that you know afterwards he desired to inherit the blessing but he was rejected and he could not find a place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. In other words, this, this bitterness got so deep that this person actually come to a point where they couldn't even be convicted anymore. You know what the problem with, with, with Jacob and Esau was is that Esau wanted the blessing, but not the birthright. Huge problem. You know what the difference between the blessing and the birthright is? The birthright is the right and the responsibility to suffer and take care of the family. The blessing is supposed to give you the ability to do that. Esau wanted the blessing without the responsibility. That's most church people. I want to come to church and let the Holy Ghost touch me, but I don't want to be responsible for my brother, for my family. I don't want to stay long enough to actually have to suffer for people. I just want them to bless me. I want to walk into authority of God and the blessing of Jesus and have my bank account respond to the anointing that's fallen on my life. Well, the an anointing's fallen on your life because of those brothers you don't want to give your life to. Anybody ever feel the Holy Spirit in here? It, why do you think he shows up? Because I'm so great? No, it's because of a bunch of people in here are in unity. That's why he shows up. And somebody who's not, they come in and they just reap the benefits of it. They're like, that's a pretty cool church. Yeah, this pretty cool church. Had to suffer to get to where they're at. We had to walk with each other when it wasn't popular. Not that it's popular now. But we were even less popular before. Because our building was small and people would say, why do you go to such a small church? I imagine them saying people walk up to Jesus and go, why do you have such a small circle of friends? Why'd you only have 12? Because 12 will not only keep you so busy, but they'll end up killing you as well. It's hard enough to raise four kids, let alone 12 disciples. No amens? Thought I had you on that one. All right. I was going to get you somewhere to agree with me at some point in a sermon. I figured that would be it. All right, I got to close because y'all are, it's getting late. I'm sorry. Uh, no. no yeah, I know, Bobby, you're with me. You've been here a long time, brother. Some of these people, it's is their first time here. I don't know. John 20, verse 23. I'm going to close with this, all right? Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's what he said. Don't get mad at me because of what Jesus said. I There's a rumor, still; it's still bouncing around the town. Maybe you might know some people who are propagating it. But I preached on this verse, and then people began to say, he said he has the power to forgive sins. No, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. It's so cool. I was at this conference one time and down in South Texas and this little kid came up. I say he's little. He's 16 years old. And he's just way down, man. I could see it all over him. Sin and lust and self-hate and just beat. And he comes up and he's just like, man, i I don't know what to do. And I just looked at him and said, look at me. Just look at me. He locked eyes with me. I said, you're forgiven. And then the Lord hit him, and he started bawling. Is it me that forgives the sin, or is it me telling him, as an ambassador of Jesus, the Lord forgives you? But he gives me that right. And when you release people from their sin, they tend to not go back to it as much. Because the goal isn't your personal relationship with Jesus. The goal is the unification of the body via your personal relationship with Jesus. And if you have a different agenda in your Christianity other than the restoration of the body, you need to go read your Bible. Jesus said... If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And if you withhold them, they're withheld. You have the power to release or bind people. Bitterness is not your source. It's not going to help you, and it's not going to help them. And it doesn't matter what they've done, what you've done, it is not bigger than the God who came. To restore us. It's not bigger. The power of the body heals itself. The division locks up every ability the body has and keeps the church fragmented, broken, distracted as Lindsay was talking about in worship. Why? Because if that can happen, if your whole life's about making money or distracted from some other purpose other than unifying the body of Christ, then the devil knows that the body of Christ will never be able to impact his kingdom because the only way we can impact the kingdom of darkness is through unity in the body of Christ. So many verses in the New Testament I didn't have time to read. They're in my notes. Didn't have time to read them about endeavoring, fighting, fighting, Laboring to keep peace, keep unity with one another. You guys stay with me. What if they won't let me? Do your job and let them go. But here's another thing some of you need to forgive yourselves for failing, for screwing up not being what you should be, for not doing what you should do, because it does no good to hold yourself in ho- hostage. It does no good to hold yourself hostage when God created you to run. You can't hate what God loves and be right with him. I say that all the time. You can't hate yourself when God loves you and have a proper relationship with Jesus. It doesn't work. So some of you in here are held up in your personal walk with Jesus because you have some unforgiveness in your life. Toward yourself, toward others. Toward the church. Church hurt me too. I get it. But it's not an excuse. It's not, it's not valid enough to say, I'm done. So I just want to take a second. You guys close your eyes. And if there's somebody that you need to forgive, if it's yourself, say, God, I'm I'm sorry for not thinking thoughts about me that you think about me. And I receive the blood of Jesus and I ask for the forgiveness of God. And while you're there, if there's a name, somebody in your life, where you get that high octane ping where you think when their name's said, you just kind of cringe inside a little bit. I ask you to release them too. Because that's how the body's going to be healed. That's how you're going to be healed. That's how God's going to begin to move in their life. Just forgive them. Anybody you've blamed, your parents, your siblings, all those things are seeds that the enemy's trying to plant bitterness in your heart because if he does, it's going to defile Everybody. So Father, I pray for forgiveness over these people here now that you would forgive them and that you're forgiven. That the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. He give peace to your enemies and he give you the wisdom of God to be able to move in this generation being one body, one accord, one mind, one heart. If there's anybody in this room that you need to forgive, go to them. And ask them to forgive you. If they're sitting right next to you, just reach over right now. Listen, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. They're not going home with you. Husbands, wives, children, if there's anything in your life, just say, I ask you to forgive me. And I forgive you. If they're not here, then just pray it over them. The whole concern of Jesus is the unification of the body of Jesus. Not so that you can feel better about your Christianity. So that we can create such a culture of of love that when people see it, they're like, man, there's no way. There's no way that can't be real. There's too many different people in here. And for all of them to love one another, that's impossible. The miracle of unity is always found in the diversity. Because it's impossible for the world to be that diverse and be unified. But when love trumps everything, you don't care how different the person next to you is. You celebrate their difference and you help them grow into the power of Jesus in their life. I'm not against anybody today. Please forgive me if I offended you. If this isn't the place for you, I get it, that's fine. I'm not trying to win you into something other than just knowing who Jesus is for your life and finding a place that God has placed you and digging in and say, I want to know you, Jesus, and I want to know your people. I want to love you, and I want to love your people because the power of the body to heal itself is amazing somebody's waiting on you somebody who needs to be healed is waiting on you to be healed because you have inside of you everything you need to be able to release people from the bondage of slavery that they're in and some of you in certain situations can do it so much better than I ever could so much better than the person sitting next to you ever could because you're custom made you're custom designed for that unique scenario to be the light of God, the, the mercy of God, the healing of God. But I want you to understand the power of the body of Christ. So, Father, give us that revelation. Give us your heart in this and cause us to walk in your ways. We rejoice in you. We thank you. We ask God for the spirit of wisdom and unity to rest upon your people. We ask that you bless our time here, bless the food, bless the fellowship. Let it be pleasing to you, Father, to see your children operating in unity and laughter and joy, sharing lives with one another, just being that father, watching us celebrate life with one another this afternoon. We, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Everybody, you are so much welcome to be able to join us with, with food here. If you need to go, we understand, but we would love for you to stay, to get to know people, hang out with us in fellowship. Thank you so much for coming.